something that people lose, some faster than others. We have to remind ourselves not to lose hope because there is an enemy out there who is trying to cause us to lose hope, who's trying to instill doubt in the heart of the believers, in the heart of the church, pastors, doubting God, losing hope, quitting the ministry. The pastor and the office of a pastor is one of the most quitted jobs. Pastors leaving their church, leaving their congregation, burning out because they've lost hope. Musicians, singers, worship leaders, people that I looked up to growing up as Christian role models, later on in their life saying, I've lost hope. This whole Jesus thing, this whole church thing, I'm not sure about it anymore. From all walks of life, from major denominations, major churches, people who you would never think would have lost hope did somewhere along the way. And what came to me as I was thinking about this, why people are losing hope, you got to ask yourself a question, well, first of all, what did they have their hope in? I don't know about you, but I have my hope in Jesus Christ. Everybody say, Jesus Christ is my hope. And see, when Jesus Christ is your hope, you have nothing to lose. You're standing upon a firm foundation. We're going to read that parable later on today. Jesus is the solid rock. He's a solid foundation. We don't have to worry as we're going on in life. Oh, maybe Jesus is going to change his mind. Praise the Lord, Jesus is not like the politicians today who are changing and flip-flopping to whatever culture wants them to say, speaking for both sides. God is not like that. He doesn't change like shifting shadows. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same promises he made to us when we were young, early on in our walk with God, are the same promises he intends to keep. We don't have to worry about God changing his story or flipping the script on us. So if people are losing hope, Jesus can't change. He's the solid rock. He's the cornerstone. He's not going anywhere. He's not changing like shifting shadows. Then what's changing? What's going on? Why are different professing Christians now all of a sudden coming out as agnostics, atheists, backslidden people who will now make an excuse for every sin in the book? It's because they're changing. It's because something is going on in their mind. They're losing their faith. They once held to it. They once professed it. They once declared it from the rooftops. But now there is a culture of shame attacking the believers, and the believers are losing hope. Praise God, there's many believers, many churches that aren't. They're still standing upon the word of God. But we need to pray and be aware and understand the times, understand what's going on. The Bible says we're living in a time where many will fall away from the faith, even the elect. So we have to guard our hearts. Jesus isn't going anywhere. We don't have to worry about him changing, but we have to guard our own hearts and watch ourselves. and Say, Jesus, search me. Amen. Come on, say it again. Jesus, search me. <laughs> I don't want to hear about another disciple, another pastor, another leader, another person, whoever you may be, this church or another church. I don't want to hear somebody else losing hope. I don't want to hear about it because it shouldn't be happening. 
We serve a mighty God. We serve a way maker. We serve a miracle worker. Why should we lose hope? If anything, our hope should only increase the more. If we can turn to our opening passage today, we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 and 25. Very powerful passage. Give you a moment to turn there again. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. All of you on the internet, God bless you. We uh, are appreciative of you joining us today. Welcome to Metro Praise. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 and 25. This is what it says. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Got to stop there. Let us hold to it unswervingly. Don't let go of it. Why, is, why are people acting like hope in Christ is like a slippery bar of soap? Today, I, I kind of have hope in Christ. The next day, I've, oh, I, I almost dropped it. Saw a headline on the news. Was talking to my friends. They're talking about COVID. They're talking about the elections. They're talking about riots. Oops, I, I don't know about my hope anymore. I don't know what kind of foundation you are building your life upon this whole time. But we're called as Christians to, un, to hold to the hope of Christ that we profess unswervingly. Don't let go of it. Don't let anything take it from you. Don't let anything, don't let anything affect it. Our hope is in Christ. For he who promised is faithful. He's faithful. He'll keep his promises. That's good news. Everything that God's ever spoken to you, every promise in the Bible... From every type of promise, there's promises that God will bless us, that God will watch over us, that God will keep us, that he'll protect us. There's promises of him uh, helping us to walk in holiness and victory, to live pure. There's promises that we don't have to be depressed, we don't have to be downcast, we don't have to be anxious. There's promises, great and precious promises in the Bible, and God is faithful to not keep one of them, to not keep two or three, to not keep some of them in the Bible. No, God is faithful to keep all of his promises. Are you faithful today? What promises do you need? What promises are you looking to God to? He will fulfill them. If it's in his word, you can believe it. If he said it, you can believe it. Verse 24, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Not only are we called to be hopeful, not only are we called to hold on to the hope that we profess and not let it go, but we're called to spur on others. We're called to encourage others. The thing about Christianity is not a selfishly inward reflective faith. Christianity is an outward faith. It's something that you get people involved with. You call people to. You do it with a body, with a community, with a family. And so not only are we called to be full of faith and full of hope, standing firm upon the word of God, not uh, swerving in any which direction, but now we have to encourage others. Now we have to look to our neighbor. We have to look to our friends, our family, people in the church, our life groups, our Bible studies. We now have to go to them and encourage them as well. Something that I see often, some of you don't know how to encourage somebody else because you yourself are not encouraged. <laughs> some of you don't know how to give hope because you yourself are still hopeless. 
In order to encourage somebody else and spur somebody else on, you have to be yourself being spurred on as well. You have to be full of hope. You have to be in your prayer closet. You have to be seeking the Lord, going after God. If you are not going after God and you're not full of faith, if you're not full, period, what do you have to give to your neighbor? Nothing. <laughs> you don't want to be in that boat. You want to be full. You want to be encouraged yourself. And that comes from being in the presence of God and reading his word. If you don't know your promises, how can you tell your neighbor about the promises of God? If you don't know your word, how can you give a word to somebody else? In order to spur someone else on, you yourself have to be spurred on by the Lord through his word, through your leaders. You have to be full yourself. How many full Christians do I have today? Amen. Come on, y'all. Oh, snap. All right. How many full Christians do we have today? Come on now. <laughs> there we go. Isaac, my man, he is definitely full. Praise God. We have to spur each other on toward love and good deeds. I love this next part, verse 25, not giving up meeting together. Don't give up. Don't give up on meeting together with the brethren, with the body. That's something that you need. It's sad and it breaks my heart when I see people who have allowed the enemy to deceive them into thinking that they don't need the rest of the body. They don't need community. As we do a lot of street ministry, as we do a lot of evangelism, we run into these type of people all the time. They say, you know what? The church, the church, it's not a building. They try and quiet us. They try and use some intellectual argument that they've heard on a YouTube video, and they say, you know, the church, it's just, it's just not a building. It's, it's us. I'm the church. I have God on the inside. The thing is, if you are not a part of a body, if you're not a part of a community, if you're not meeting together with them, you've forsaken the brethren. You're doing what the Bible says not to do. What are you talking about? Get with the family. Get with the community. Join your church. Be faithful to discipleship. Be faithful to your leaders. Don't make the excuse that you can somehow walk this thing out, walk this Christian walk out on your own without anybody with you. It doesn't work that way. There's no Lone Ranger Christianity. So therefore, do not give up on meeting together. How do we stay hopeful? How do we stay encouraged? I'll tell you right now, I'm encouraged by being with you guys. How many of you guys know when you go to Bible study, when you do one-on-one, -on -one, when you're in discipleship and you're meeting and you're having that communion, you get encouraged. How many of you guys can testify when you were not doing that and you were forsaking the brethren, thinking that you're all good with your Lone Ranger self, that you were not as encouraged? As a matter of fact, you were discouraged. You were probably less hopeful than you were when you were in church probably struggling with some things. Come on, somebody. Oh, but when you get in the church and you're with your brothers and sisters in Christ, look around the body of Christ today. Some of us are not here. That's okay. But we're a family. We're a family, and we are to be here for each other. And one of the ways that we stay full of hope is by talking to one another, meeting together, gathering together. That's why these doors will never close in the name of Jesus because we will not give up. Others have. And it was interesting during the Jesus Matters conference that we just recently had, there was a, uh, a woman, woman of God who stood up in the corner. She had the mic, and she just testified in front of the rest of us how awesome it was to be in the house of God. 
Our pastor was about to cry as he, as he, different times he says, I'm about to tear up. She just came up. She said, it's so good to be in the house of God. Because there's something that happens when we come together as a family. Encouragement, hope, love, the fruit of the Spirit. We begin to edify each other. We begin to encourage each other. So don't miss that. In your walk with the Lord, you need people. You can't do this on your own. You need a gathering. You need a community that you can belong to. And our doors are open for you. We love you. So don't give up on that. As some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another instead. Again, not to harp on this for too long, but when was the last time you encouraged somebody? When was the last time you went up to somebody and you asked them how they were doing? I'm not just talking about just that kind of casual millennials are really bad at this, Gen Z, a lot of us younger people. We'll just go up to somebody and we'll be like, hey, what's up? We'll start roasting them, making fun of them, and that's our way of fellowshipping or hanging out. Don't do that. That's not in the Bible. Our generation needs to repent of that. I repent on behalf of my... Anyway, so, but encourage one another. Go up to each other. Compliment somebody. Hey, you know what? Those are some nice shoes. You know what? That's some nice hair. You know what? You're, you're awesome, man. Let's hang out. Let's, let's grab some coffee. Let's go, like, do some, some active physical stuff. I don't know, whatever your cup of tea may be. Let's do it. Because as Christians, as a family, that's what we're called to do. We're meant to encourage each other. That's how the church stays hopeful, stays alive. It's through the Spirit, but the Spirit works through the church. And so meeting together in a community is so integral. And you, again, spurring each other on, encouraging each other, that's just as important. You play a part in the body of Christ being full of hope. So again, when was the last time you encouraged somebody? When was the last time? Praise God, Evelyn, I heard that yesterday. Come on now. Say it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> Amen. Praise God, sister. Um, when was the last time you gave somebody a word, prophetic word? How many of you guys know those are powerful when you stop somebody and you just say, hey, you know what? I just feel like the Lord is saying something to you. And, and you just start praying for them. You start covering them in the word, right? This is what the body of Christ looks like. And the body of Christ meets together and comes together as a family, and we encourage each other, there's hope, there's love, there's peace, there's the fruit of the Spirit. God is moving. But we can't give up on that. Some are in the habit of doing. We need to continue to encourage one another. We need to continue to hold to the hope that we profess. We need to continue to spur each other on. And we need to do it all the more as we see the days approaching. Now, sometimes it is hard to have hope. Sometimes you get so overwhelmed by the different things that are happening in the world. If you can scroll down just a little bit. Hope is the expectation of what is good. Praise God. Here's when hope is needed the most. Psalm 23, verse 4 kind of talks about the first point here. When the people around you are hopeless because of the fear of evil. Again, as Christians, we're not called to be hopeless. Let's just make sure we understand that, because I see too many Christians panicking, walking in fear, reacting instead of standing. They see other people, what's going on, other evil in the world. A lot of people even leave the faith because they say, all this evil in the world is too discouraging. It's leaving me hopeless. I can't do this anymore. So the evil around you, the devil can use that to discourage you and remove the hope and cause you to let go. But don't do it. 
When the people around you are hopeless because of fear, stand upon the word of God. Know that God is still on the throne. Doesn't matter what's happening in Kenosha. Doesn't matter if there's another wave of looting in Chicago downtown. Doesn't matter if people come down my block with pitchforks, with guns. They can't take anything. I got no money, but they'll still hate me for some reason. They'll find something to hate me for. Doesn't matter. I'm still holding on to my hope in Jesus Christ. I'm still standing. What if they came for you? What if they came to your job? We have testimonies like that. Some people stayed, some people left. <laughs> Come on, somebody. People have lost their jobs because the world came at them. Because the world did not like them. Because of the evil in the world, it came against the church. came against people in this church. But see, if your foundation is on the solid rock of Jesus Christ and your hope is in Jesus... Jesus is on the throne. It doesn't matter what your circumstances may look like. It doesn't matter how many evil people are around you. It doesn't matter if you go to a family barbecue and your whole family turns on you. It doesn't matter. God's on the throne. These circumstances shouldn't play a factor in the hope that you have. So let's guard our hearts, church. When people around us are hopeless because of the fear of evil, don't let that affect you. Don't let that pull you down. When they're having those conversations, and you know, you've probably seen it yourself, people, uh, you know, the, the way they're talking to you, they're talking to you as if they're trying to pull you into their hopelessness. They're trying to pull you into their fear. Well, you know, uh, you know, uh, five, five million uh, more people got COVID today. Well, you know, there, there, was, uh, there was 10 more shootings that, uh, down my block. You know, you, you better be careful out there. Hey, you know what? This is happening in the politics. Man, it looks like so-and-so's going to be present. Oh, it looks like so-and-so's not going to be present. You know what It's like they're trying to pull you into some kind of drama, trying to pull you into their hopelessness. Okay, give them the hand. Like, I'm sorry. You can come to my church, though, because I have hope. The church that I go to has hope. If you're hopeless, guess what? It's okay. Serve Jesus. He'll give you hope, because when you stand upon the firm rock of Jesus Christ, you will not be turned. You will not be shaken. And that's our testimony. That's my testimony. That's some of your guys' testimony. Even if everything crumbles around this city, around America, around the world, which eventually it will. Hello, somebody. Read the end of the book. It doesn't get better, I'm sorry to say. So I don't know about you guys, but this is really good testing ground for what's about to happen. You can't hold on to your faith when some, when, when some people come to your job with a sign demanding that you resign or get out of there or whatever. Well, guess what? How about a guillotine in front of you? When the Antichrist comes for your head, what's going to happen? You're going to stand on your faith. You're going to retreat to some other church. Anyway, praise the Lord. So when the people around you are hopeless because of the fear of evil, don't give in. Stand upon the rock of Christ Jesus. Continue to have hope and encourage them to have hope in Jesus Christ as well. Number two, when your soul is downcast because of what you're going through. Somebody say the valley. <laughs> Come on now. Psalm 42, verse 11. Let's actually turn there, Andrew, if you can get that on the screen. Sometimes in life, we'll go through some very serious circumstances. Some people in this church have survived cancer. They've had to go to the hospital. They've had to go through some very trying times. And guess what? The good news of the gospel isn't necessarily that you're never going to go through any trials. 
You're never going to go through any suffering. Some people would like to spin the gospel in that way. Well, because I'm a Christian, that means nothing bad will ever happen to me. Friends, if that was the case, I wouldn't be a Christian right now. Praise God that's not the case. (laughs) Some of you guys have been through so much, and you know if it was about circumstances, suffering, pain, and hurt, you would not be where you are today without Jesus. But see, that's not the gospel. The gospel isn't based on your circumstances. If the gospel isn't based on your circumstances, then why do we keep acting as though it is? And we get really on fire and excited for the things of God when things are going good in our lives. Oh, praise God, I just got a new job. I'm going to come to the front. I'm going to raise my hands. I'm going to pray really loud today. You already know. Psalm 42, verse 11. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your, everybody say it. Put your in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Sometimes you have to talk to yourself. Sometimes you got to give yourself the talk. You got to say, hey, wake up. Wake up, self. Come on now. Stop being so downcast. Stop being so depressed. Stop being such a party pooper. Wake up. Get the joy of the Lord in your heart. Praise him. Rejoice. Again, I will say rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything. Put in everything, come to the Lord in prayer and petition. Come on, friends. You need to talk to yourself. See, if people just lived out the Bible and did what the Bible said, we would not have pastors committing suicide, killing themselves. I just saw another headline. A pastor's wife sadly, tragically took her life. She had kids, had a husband, left that behind. As sad as that is and as troubling as it is, as disturbing as it is, friends, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, no matter how hard that woman's life may have been, maybe she was going through some real trying circumstances. It doesn't matter because I serve a good God. I serve a hopeful God. I serve a God who's on the throne, who gives me hope, and I know that that hope will not be shaken. But it's when we take our eyes off of that and we allow our soul to be downcast. We allow what we're going through. We allow that to begin to get to us, to begin to mess with our minds, our thoughts. When we let that, those anxieties and those problems, that depression, whatever it may be, when we let that in, we begin to focus on that more than on Christ. And then our hope, instead of being Jesus, becomes an escape out of life itself. The answer to the suicide epidemic is Christ. The answer to these pastors killing themselves, I'm sorry you would think that they would understand it, but no, they really don't. The devil is the father of lies. These people allow themselves to be deceived. They give up, but the Bible says you need to speak to yourself. Why are you downcast? Rejoice. If you're ever having a discouraging day, if you're ever feeling the weight of different circumstances or trials, talk to your leaders, talk to the people here, find encouragement, go to the Word and go to God. Because I guarantee you, when you hear some of the precious testimonies in this church, you will know as God brought them through it, He can bring you through it as well. Number three, when God's promises are delayed, that's a hard one. 
But praise God, he's still on the throne. And we can still be hopeful. See, I don't know about you guys, but God has given me some amazing promises. God has spoken things to me. He has shown me things. Uh, Andrew, if you can go to Jeremiah. Let's just read it out really quick. For I know the plans I have for you. Woo. Just let that encourage you today. It's the word of God. That's what the Holy Spirit does. For I know the plans that I have for you. Anybody know the plans that God has for them? Anybody know the words that God's spoken over their lives? Come on. It doesn't matter if you are a baby Christian or if you're a fully grown Christian, mature, eating steak in the Holy Ghost, okay? God has plans for you, and you know that God has plans for you. Plans to prosper you, to, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Just take a moment and thank God for his precious promises. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for the call that you've given me. Thank you, Jesus, for the visions that you've placed in my heart. Thank you, Jesus, God, for the plans that are to prosper, God, this whole entire city, things you've shown me about Chicago, the high schools, the college campuses, God. You will do it in one day, Lord God. We believe it, Jesus. Hallelujah. God has precious plans for us. Plans for everything. How many parents do we have here today? Amen. Praise God. You have plans for your children? You have plans to prosper them? You're creating their future in your heads. You see them being this, that, and the other. Then you end up seeing their children being little uh, geniuses running around. <laughs> Amen. Just as you as a parent have dreams for your children and will do anything in your power to make those dreams reality, guys, that's the God that we're talking about today. He is the Father. God has plans for your life. He cares about you. He cares about who you're with. He cares about your friends. He cares about your family. He cares about your interests. He cares about your dreams and your ambitions. He placed them there. He cares about you. He has great and precious plans, promises for each and every one of us. But sometimes they don't happen as quickly as we want them to. Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes we have to go through some things. Before Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt, he was in the wilderness herding sheep for years. It wasn't until he was about, I believe, in his late 40s that God actually called him to lead the people out of Israel in the burning bush. All throughout Scripture, you see example after example of great promises that God gives to each and every one of us. But there's time. There's time. And I don't know what God's promised you. I don't know what God might have told you. I don't know what dreams God might have placed in your heart. But here's a reminder from the Word itself. Don't lose hope. Hold on to those promises. Hold on to that promise that that family member will get saved. Hold on to that promise that your neighbors will get saved, your friends. You'll see breakthrough in different areas that you're praying for. I believe that. And I have faith that I'm going to see God move. And it's not based off of our circumstances or what we see in the physical realm. See, that's the problem with the world. They filter everything through the physical realm. They filter everything through the physical reality. 
That's why so many people lose hope. So many people feel like they have to take control for themselves because they don't know what lies ahead. They don't know the future. They don't know what might happen. So I got to do something now. But as Christians, we know the author of life. We know the Alpha and the Omega. We have a Father in heaven who will take care of us. We don't have to be worried. And we can know whatever it is God told us to do, whatever God put on our hearts, whatever he promised us, we can believe it and know that he is faithful to keep his promises. He is a promise. Come on, somebody. He's a promise. He keeps his promises. Promises that we find in the word and promises he's made each and every one of you personally. We can trust that. We can go back to the notes. That's when hope is needed most. Again, when the people around you are hopeless because of fear of evil, when your soul is downcast because of what you're going through. Number three, when God's promises are delayed. Doesn't matter. We can still have hope in the Lord. We don't have to worry. We don't have to be anxious. And we don't have to let go of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. It doesn't have to just slip out of our hands one day and then we just wake up not believing in God anymore. It doesn't happen like that. Hold to your faith. We can go to Romans chapter 5. It says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. How many of you guys know it doesn't say in which we now kind of stumble around in, in which we now kind of are sitting, sometimes standing, sometimes sitting, sometimes sleeping. No, this grace in which we now stand. We as a church, as a body of Christ, need to stop sleeping, stop fumbling around, stop acting like we don't have control over our footing, and start standing you don't have enough strength to stand, call on the name of the Lord. He will give you the strength because when we are weak, he is strong. Stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. See, I see a troubled world. Vinny, if you can come up to the keys. I see a troubled world. I see so many things as you see as well on the news. Riots, shootings happening all the time now. More than ever. But something else I notice is that those in the world who don't have Christ, as they see the circumstances changing, as they themselves experience suffering, trials themselves because of COVID, because of businesses shutting down, because of the economy, they don't have hope. And they don't have anywhere to go. And I want you guys to understand this. As believers, we are privileged. <laughs> not afraid to admit it. I'm, a, I'm not afraid to boast in it. I'm, a, I'm, I'm privileged today. Why am I privileged? I'm privileged because I'm a child of God. And you are too. If you are, are, are a son, a daughter of Christ, you are a child of God. You can boast in the hope of the Lord. Because guess what? Those outside of the body... Those who do not have Jesus, if you are not standing with God, you don't have hope. What do you have? What do you have confidence in? What are you putting your hope in? Are you putting it in your money, your talent, your ability, how good you look? 
Friends, that's all going to change. That's all going to go away. It's fleeting. It's like grass. It withers away and dies. See, what God has done in this last season in America, he has flipped the tables. He has flipped the tables. People who had their confidence, who had their hope, God is exposing it even in the church for pastors who had their hope in a platform, in a building, in lights. Now you can't use any of that, some of these people. God has flipped the tables. People who had their hope in money, in their business, in their talent, in their sports, in their career, all of these things have been thrown out the window. And they don't have anything to boast in right now. That's the origin of a lot of the frustration, a lot of the anger we're seeing. There are people without hope. I would be angry too. (laughs) I'd be very, very angry and frustrated, friends, if I did not have hope. Who knows? I might be out there riding, throwing bricks at windows too. But I am a Christian. I have Jesus, and I can boast in the hope of the Lord. I am his child. I am with him. I am on his side. God is for me. If God is for me, who can be against me? And therefore, I have hope. And I can stand and I can boast in the Lord. But the world can't. And the church needs to understand that. Because the church continues to try and engage the world as if somehow we, we, we're trying to convince them. We have to bargain with them. We have to kind of have some, we have to make some kind of deal with them. Hey, you know what? You know, your life is pretty good, but but, but trust me, if you, if you just get a little bit of Jesus, you know, you, you can give uh, half of what you have to God. God will give half of what he has to you, and, and then it'll be cool. It'll be really awesome. You know, just, just make this cool deal transaction with God, and it'll be really great. Like, you'll have an awesome life. You'll increase your stocks. Like, you know, you'll, you'll get an extra bonus tomorrow. Friends, it don't work like that. If you don't have Jesus, no, I feel bad for you. I, like, really feel bad for you. You are without hope. You don't have confidence in anything. Whatever confidence you have is on sinking sand. You can't stand for nothing. People in the world are not able to stand We're seeing everything crumble. You had your confidence in law enforcement. You had your confidence in a political party. You had your confidence in your money. You had your confidence in your neighborhood, your block, your city, whatever it is. God, God is throwing it out the window. What are you going to stand on? It's even said again, those in the church, that's what breaks my heart. Those in the church have bought into the lie as well, and they're putting their trust and their hope in all these other things, and God's exposing it. God's exposing it. You cannot not have your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and get away with it for that long. Friends, what do you have your hope in today? What do you have your hope in today? Whatever it is, it'll be exposed. It'll it'll show. I'm going to finish this verse here. Verse 3, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Hope does not put us to shame. 
Somebody needs to hear that tonight. Hope will not put you to shame. Others will. You put your hope in a relationship, in a boyfriend, a girlfriend. That'll put you to shame. Put your hope in your job that you built. Invested so much time in years, you've got a career, you got a degree, so you can get this one really great job. It'll put you to shame. Friends? Friends will put you to shame. <laughs> oh, friends, everything else will put us to shame, but not God. Not placing our hope in Jesus Christ. Whoo! You will never be ashamed as a son or daughter of Jesus Christ. Hope will not put you to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has been given to us. Let's all stand tonight, today. Let's all stand. I want to read one more verse before we officially close. If we can go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. We can pull it up right there. Awesome. I'm going to read it out from my phone. The NET says this. Again, Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who built his house on rock. Ever look at what's going on in the world? You see your friends on Facebook. You see all the feeds, all the posts. And I get it. Sometimes as Christians, we can, we can respond as well. There's, there's godly ways to respond and react to what's happening. So it's not that we have to be kind of like emotionless and not say anything. But you see the panic. We all see that the panic in those who do not have Jesus Christ. They don't know what's going on. There's a fear of the uncertainty. For once in America's history, we're uncertain. And we don't know everything. Whoops. But the wise man who builds his house on the rock, the one who builds his life on the word of God, the rain fell, the flood came, COVID's still out there, violence is still out there. Injustice is still happening. The rain fell, the flood came, and the winds even beat against that house. Remember, again, as Christians, we don't escape the suffering. As Christians, it's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. We don't get to now escape all the bad stuff that might happen to us. The rain will still come. The floods will still come. The winds will still beat against the foundation that we have. But here's the good news. It did not collapse. Why? Because it had been founded on the rock. What about the world? What about your friend who's really smart, really intellectual? They have the degree. They have all the knowledge. They got it all figured out. They watched all the YouTube videos. They know all the Illuminati members, right? They know everything that's going on. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the flood came, and the winds beat against that house, and it collapsed. It was utterly destroyed. Friends, we are watching right now before our eyes. The winds, the rains, the waters are coming, 
and they're pushing against the foundations all across America, young people, old people. And you know what we're seeing? We're seeing foundations collapse. We're seeing one after the other, after the other. Everybody who thought they were okay, everybody who thought they had it together, their foundations are collapsing. But guess whose isn't? Guess whose isn't? It's the church, friends. It's the Christian because we have our hope in Jesus Christ. Give it up for Jesus today. Praise you, Lord. We thank you that we stand upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And God, as everything else is collapsing, we will continue to stand. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Just, just want to give you a moment. Uh, Jason and Des, if you can come up. Let's just sing in the spirit. Just have a moment right now between you and God. Just reflect on his goodness. Thank him for the solid foundation. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. How many of you know our God is a, a solid rock, a firm foundation? He is an anchor for our very souls. That's why we put our trust in him. We don't walk in sand. We're not standing on sand that shifts and moves when things in this life happens. We stand on a solid rock that's embedded in Christ. It's, a, it's firm. It's fixed. Everything in this universe can pass away. It's fleeting. Christ is the only thing that is fixed. And Christ is truth. Truth that is fixed. That's why in John 15, if you put your hope, if you put your faith in him and remain in him, it is in him that you will thrive you'll not only survive but you will thrive you will be fruitful this is God's promise he never never fails us he never lies Through the storms of life. 
if you need hope today, if you have been feeling hopeless, if you've been overwhelmed, if you've been discouraged, I just want you to raise your hands to the Lord. And wherever you're at, wherever you're standing, just let the Holy Spirit minister to you. You and God, talk to Jesus yourself. Say, Jesus, it's been hard. It hasn't been easy. I feel hopeless. But Lord, I want to cling to you today. I want to give my heart to you. I want to serve you. Oh, because there's hope today. You don't have to be put to shame anymore. God will hold you. God will protect you. God will fight for you. He'll stand for you. Put your hope in him. A few more moments right now. Keep singing. Thank you. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, all the worry, all the anxiety, let it go. Let it go. Let God take it off of you. Let him take off the weight. The Bible said to rejoice. 
Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Holy Spirit, release praise for heaviness. Praise for heaviness. Peace for anxiety. Joy for morning. Joy for morning. exit stage left um, uh, on this side here. It was an awesome uh, time being with you guys. If you want a fellowship, you can kind of congregate a little bit out there, spread out. Um, but uh, we love you. Come back next week. Go to life groups. Get discipled. Love Jesus. And stay hopeful. Amen.